Welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Hopefully you can hear me in the back. And so when you hear the recording this week, it's going to sound like I'm shouting, because I am. Um, but it's really great to, hear, to have you here this morning on Pentecost Sunday. Uh, I'm Morgan, and I am the vicar here at Corpus Christi Anglican Church. And I am so grateful for this little park and this little covered shelter this morning to meet with you. To hear the sound of the wind, I was kind of picturing what it would have been like for a mighty wind to come in, blow out all the candles, and then all of a sudden the lights go on, but not in the way that anybody anticipated, right? So you can imagine with me this morning as you hear the sound of the wind. Um, Yeah, what a blessing. And if you're visiting here this morning, we're grateful you're here. We have welcome bags for you. And after the service, we're having a cookout. So please stay, uh, stay and hang out for a while. Let me pray as we get started. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. I was thinking back to one of the nature shows that I like to watch with David Attenborough. It was one of my fall asleep shows. And in one of the episodes, they talked about this river in Africa that has a basin. It's called the Akavango River. And in the Akavango, there's this basin that covers multiple countries in Africa. During the rainy seasons in the highlands, the river begins there. And the rains there start, and there it's three times more rain than the annual rainfall of any one of those countries that stretch across the Kalahari Desert. And what it does, as that water goes from the highlands down to the desert, it takes what's a desert and it turns it into a wetland, a wetland that's teeming with life. And I think that's a really useful and helpful image of what the Holy Spirit does in us. Today is a day to celebrate. It's a, it's a feast day to celebrate the one who breaks up hard soil, where our hearts are hard, where that mud is just caked. <clears throat> the rain of the Holy Spirit falls and breaks up dry ground and moistens the soil so that it's useful to grow things. Our hearts of stone are made, in, uh, are made soft with the waters of life. The one who can make streams in the desert the one who brings life. The Holy Spirit indwells us. He guides us. He corrects us. He encourages us. And he empowers us to live out God's kingdom in our lives. It's the thing that when we spoke last week about Jesus's prayer, when Jesus prays for the kingdom work to be done, he envisions that the Holy Spirit would be the one to enable us to do it. And so Pentecost in this passage from the book of Acts call us to live a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit. The Feast of Pentecost, I think it pushes really hard against some things that we've grown accustomed to. It pushes hard against a desire for comfort. It pushes hard against trying to strategically execute our own plans and control the outcomes. And I think the Feast of Pentecost 
pushes against a desire for influence and popularity and power. And so there's also a lot of joy in this day. There's joy because the Holy Spirit moves in very common people to guide us, to transform us. And through us who are kind of everyday, common, ordinary people, God changes the lives of other people around us. So today's passage, it picks up on some really important themes that happen in the Bible in the Old Testament. One of those, if we think back to the book of Exodus, the people of Israel had come to be enslaved by the Egyptians and God would rescue them out of slavery. He raised up a leader, Moses, to lead the people out of Israel to worship him and to inhabit a land. And he freed the people through a series of plagues that he brought on the Egyptians. And in the 10th plague, that fought, it was the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. The, he killed all the firstborn in Egypt, except for those who had taken the blood of a lamb and had put blood over the doorposts of their house. This is called the Passover. The angel of death passed over these places. So the Israelites commemorated God's saving acts every year in the Passover or what they called Pesach. And the Greek-speaking Jews called Pesach Pascha. Uh, and so during this festival, this festival of Pascha, uh, Jesus, it was during that festival that Jesus was betrayed. It was during that festival that Jesus was killed and he rose from the dead as our great Passover lamb, a new Pascha. And so to this day, we call it Easter in the West, but everybody else uh, in, Christi in Christendom calls it Pascha to this day. So you can hear the Old Testament echo in the joy of the resurrection and the new Passover. Well, 50 days after Pesach is a different festival where after the original Passover, God came down on Mount Sinai in fire and in smoke, what we call a theophany. God showed himself in mighty power. And Jewish tradition called that feast the Feast of Shavuot, uh, or Feast of Weeks. It was 50 days after the Passover, every year. And what that one commemorated was this renewal of the covenant that they made with God. How are we supposed to live as God's covenant people? And that's what the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Shavuot uh, commemorated. They renewed their covenant every year as they remembered God's presence at Sinai. And that, that commemoration can be found in a book that's not in the Bible from about 200 years before Jesus called the Book of Jubilees, which means that tradition is really old. It's probably older than that book itself. Well, what you may not be aware of is that that Feast of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, gets translated by the Greek-speaking Jews as Pentecosti. So Jews were calling this Pentecost before Jesus arrived on the scene. And all Pentecosti means is 50th, sort of gotten rid of the, the weeks. It's just 50 days after Passover, there's this other thing. But it's a day to remember God's covenant, to renew our covenant life with him. And it was a day to remember God's theophany showing up on a mountain uh, in extraordinary power to show his people how they were supposed to live in covenant relationship to their divine king. And so isn't it interesting then that we come to 50 days 
after the celebration of our new Paschal Lamb, and God comes down in a new kind of theophany in fire. The Holy Spirit comes to those who were called to live out God's kingdom work in the power of the new covenant. And so we have this day of renewal, this day to remind ourselves that God has come and that he has shown his people how to live out his kingdom. So remember last week, again, we talked about Jesus praying that his disciples would carry out the work that God had given him to do. And, he, and as he th- prayed for that, that was connected with the work of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is in his people to purify them of the things that they're holding on to that they shouldn't and to guide them into the things that they are supposed to walk in together. And you and I, we're in need of continual cleansing. I don't know if you, if you know of any people that you would, we joke about people being hoarders, but I don't know if you've actually known people that are truly hoarders. It's really troubling when you watch some, sometimes, you know, if you were to walk into their house, they have stuff piled from floor to ceiling, oftentimes a very specific kind of thing. And there were interventions about shows like this, or there were shows about interventions that happen in these kinds of cases. Um, I stopped watching them because they're anxiety-inducing for me. Um, but as the, the crews from the shows would start to move into a house, you could just, you just kind of go, ah, how does somebody live in that? And they would start to slowly remove all these piles of garbage out of the house And then as they would do that, it was really gross because they would find like a dead cat here, a dead rodent there, mold in the walls. And of course, this is the reason why this hoarder has breathing problems, right? Um, The things that they can't see that are dying in their house. And so the thing is, there's this sad interplay between the mental and emotional health of somebody that's hoarding and the amount of physical stuff that's in their house that needs to be cleaned out. And so this work of cleaning by these crews is the first step in a really long road to recovery. Let's get them physically healthy so that they can work on their mental and emotional health. And you and I, we have a tendency to fill our lives up with clutter. We fill our lives up with stuff that's not going to help us, right? And so the Holy Spirit is the one who goes room by room throughout the house and says, give me that. Let me burn it. <laughs> Stop putting it there. Don't put it back. Let me have it. I will take care of it for you. I can see the garbage that's there. I want you to see it and hand it over. He is a purifying fire so that we become useful vessels for the kingdom of God. And that process of handing stuff over to the Holy Spirit can be really hard, it can be painful. But that's the beginning of healing. You know, we, ha- we find a certain level of safety in the things that we hold on to. Safety in addictions, safety in substances, safety. Uh, and, and some of these have become habits for us, right? And we rely on these habits to function. Perhaps we're worried that if we give that one thing to the Holy Spirit, that we are going to break. But break we must if we're going to be useful in the kingdom of God. Because that's where the Spirit's renewal happens, when we're broken. He uses broken people who are delivered by His power to bring His kingdom to bear on those around us. It's what He does. He cleanses and He guides. 
So every day is this culmination of decisions that you and I have to make. And they range in their, uh, how important these decisions are going to be. But in every moment, we are looking for the enlightening of the Holy Spirit. Um, and especially in the face of dissenting voices, when our decisions are consequential, we need his power to make hard decisions, to have the resolve to be obedient to the will of God. And so, you know, if I think of deciding what to make for lunch on any given day, that may not be that consequential. It might be, but it might not be. But when I thank Jesus for the food that I have, or when I think to myself, is there somebody that I need to eat lunch with? Those are actually of a bit more consequence than just what should I eat today? And the decision to take my car in for repairs is pretty inconsequential. In fact, like I legally have to do that every year for my safety inspection. So the decision is taken out of my hands. But the decision and the resolve to thank God for that mode of transportation, the means to fix the car, and then to pray how I might bless the mechanic and the people that I meet when I go there, that is of more consequence. The Holy Spirit is the energy and the power of heaven who falls on creation and he makes things new. He's the one that takes all that everyday stuff that we do and he fills it with heavenly significance. The things that feel most common. He reframes our ordinariness in the light of his kingdom. And so also moments of disappointment shouldn't go to waste. When, we, when things don't go as we had wanted them to go, or if there was something that we really hoped for and it's just not going to happen, that's a source of grief, right? We grieve over those things and we should grieve over those things. Our tendency, though, might be to strategize to sort of circumvent the grief to get the outcomes we want. It's a very Northern Virginia thing to do. It's a very human thing to do. But remember that the Holy Spirit most often speaks clearly in moments of grief. It's that place where we know things are broken and they're not the way they should be. And where we know they're broken, that's a great posture to hear clearly from the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we're looking back to that theophany at Pentecost where God shows up in a vision, in fire, and in the wind. And we ask God to fall on us again so that all things great and small in our lives begin to line up with God's will and his plan for us and for the people that we encounter on a day-to-day basis. Do you know God has a plan for the salvation of the neighborhoods around us, the nations? We live amidst the nations. I did a sermon series on that a few years back. I didn't, I had started to write one on this neighborhood, Newington. I ended up cutting it. I wrote one on uh, something just down the road on Telegraph. But this is an important neighborhood that has many nations. And so when we read the, the account in Acts 2, it feels like the undoing of the Tower of Babel. The Babel, you know, the Babel Tower that we heard about in Genesis 11 in our Old Testament reading. And now... The nations are now blessing themselves in Abraham. It's interesting that in Genesis 11, you have everybody trying in their pride to circumvent their need for God. Then you have Abraham in the next chapter where he says all the nations are going to bless themselves in him, despite the fact that God just scattered them. And here at Pentecost, we find God making good on the promise to Abraham. The day of Pentecost brings salvation to the nations through uneducated people. 
This is, these are the Galileans, right? And everyone's astounded that these Galileans are doing something. And that says something about popularity and power in God's kingdom. I want to have a quick reality check this morning. How many of you, you can raise your hand. How many of you know your grandparents' names? I'd say, yep, almost all of you. How many of you can, uh, how many of you can name your great-grandparents as well? Much less hands. I actually have to put mine down here. I can't. Um, how many of you can name your great-great-grandparents? One, two, three. Well, yes, all the genealogy work, that's true. Uh, okay, so three out of, you know, 50 people can name their great-great-grandparents. It's a really helpful reality check. The reality is that in just two or three generations, you and I are going to be present to Jesus and forgotten by the offspring or anybody else who knew us, right? Be encouraged. But here's where it is encouraging. Whether you are popular, whether you are influential is not going to matter. It's not going to matter. Um, when God looks at the most famous celebrity Christian speaker, he could care less that they're a famous Christian speaker as the person who has just come to know Jesus and is sort of in obscurity. God doesn't care. I don't know why we do, but we do. But we shouldn't. There, um, in a couple generations, we will be forgotten. What will matter, though, what will be remembered are the habits and the matters of the faith that we pass on to the next generation, one person at a time. Whether you have physical children or spiritual children, God calls us all to pass on the faith once for all handed down through the apostles and the habits that form the Christian faith. So our spiritual children may not remember where they learned to do a certain thing, but they will know how to follow Jesus. And that won't pass away. And so those who really struggle with a a sense of self-worth, I want you to hear this morning that God has saved you out of the world, that he knows your name, that he loves you, and that he's put the Holy Spirit in you. For those, and that you deeply matter to him, that your ins and outs, the everyday stuff matters to him. For those who tend to think too highly of themselves, there's another exhortation that Remember that within two or three generations, you'll probably be forgotten, right? St. Benedict says, keep death before your eyes. It's helpful. But God uses insignificant people who are obedient to the Holy Spirit to carry out his kingdom work. That's the main thing. God uses really common, insignificant people who will fade away into the obscurity of infamy and history to do his kingdom work. As we are transformed by the Holy Spirit and we learn to share our stories with others, it's going to be natural to invite them into what's happening in our lives. But the key is that we are being transformed first. That's how the kingdom of God is built. It's one life at a time. It's one household at a time. It's one neighborly conversation at a time. And Jesus had prayed that his disciples would be one. So they would complete the kingdom work that Jesus started. 
And he's given us the Holy Spirit, God's presence and his power to carry that out. We celebrate it this day. God wanted to break up the dry ground of our hearts this morning. And he wants to make wetlands in the wilderness, uh, wetlands in the desert that are teeming with life. And today we celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit to the church. The very God who enables us to complete the kingdom work he's given us to do. He cleanses, he guides, he empowers. And Pentecost reminds us almost more than any other day to prioritize obeying the spirit over comfort. Listening to the voice of God over controlling the outcomes of our lives. Seeking transformation of ourselves and others over the desire for power and popularity and influence. So we pray, come Holy Spirit. O God, the Holy Spirit, (coughs) sanctifier of the faithful, sanctify this mission by your abiding presence. Bless those who minister in holy things and lighten the minds of your people more and more with the light of the everlasting gospel. Bring erring souls to the knowledge of our Savior Jesus Christ. And those who are walking in the way of life, keep steadfast to the end. Give patience to the sick and the afflicted and renew them in body and soul. Guard those who are strong and prosperous from forgetting you. Increase in us your many gifts of grace and make us all fruitful in good works. This we ask, O blessed Spirit, whom the Father and the Son, we worship and glorify one God, world without end. Amen. Amen.